electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Is a recession inevitable? The White House says it's not, but the chances could be growing thanks to inflation and the market's worst stumble in years. I I feel like I remember all 17 of those 15% declines. We've had a lot of them in the last two decades. I remember uh, all 14 of the recessions that, that only four happened. Cecilia Rouse from the Council of Economic Advisors says the administration is doing everything it can, maybe starting at the gas station. We know that a lot of the inflation has been caused over the last several months by Putin's invasion of Ukraine. And so President Biden is looking at all tools available to try to help it make it a little bit easier for people at the pump. Plus, the pain continues for crypto holders, but we're still trying to keep it light. Under the ticker, bite me. No, I'm sorry, bite T, bite T. Biddy, B-I-D-I. The markets, everything else, what do you What do you want? Gotta have some sense of humor these days. It's Tuesday, June 21st, 2022, the first day of summer. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back, you buy in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is off today. Last week was a rough one. It was the worst week for the Dow since October of 2020. It was the worst week for the S&P since March of 2020. And I guess, Joe, the good news is at least it's not last week anymore. Yeah, uh, Thursday and Friday were okay. Um, in terms of stabilizing. And, and stabilizing. They, it, that was still down another thing. Yeah, but the, I think the, the NASDAQ. But the NASDAQ was up. And the, the previous day, oh, no, the previous day was that horrific day. That's what I'm talking about. It, 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 it really, I don't know if it felt like a full capitulation. The VIX still didn't get where it needs to go. Did you see supposedly, the but. journal today has a piece about wondering how far it is to the bottom? Apparently, the SP. Since 1950, the the S&P has sold off at least 15% on 17 different occasions. On 11 out of those 17 occasions, it took until the Fed actually started Started easing easing again before it came back. I I feel like I remember all 17 of those 15% declines. We've had a lot of them in the last two decades. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, all 14 of the uh, recessions that that only four happened. Uh, But now, supposedly... We're at 44%. This is the, the journal piece here. We're at 44% of economists are now forecasting a recession. Bad news is that that number is hit as we are either on the cusp of or already in a recession in the past. So, so it's when a you get a lagging indicator. When you get as high as 44, you're already there, supposedly. But for the stock market, that could mean that, you know, if you need the Fed to start easing, they might do a couple more, and if, the, if things seriously slow down, and where's oil today? Below 110, I think. I think it was at 110 the last I saw. It was up by about 2.3% or so, this yeah. morning. I, I saw it just above 110 a few, about 15 That rolls ago. over, uh, and, and what happens well, when that's you- that's been the biggest thing. The Fed's trying to stop these higher energy costs. There's not a lot they can do except for this 
blunt force trauma. Canceling 5,000 flights is not good for the economy, no, is it? No, that's, like, how many people was that? I was trying to figure out how many thousands and thousands of passengers got stranded this week. No, was there weather? There's some, but... There's always weather. There's somewhere. always weather. Uh, I guess there was some there. Yeah, I did see... It, it was some, some stuff down south. I saw like, I was getting some emails about some flooding. It didn't and seem stuff. like it was unusual weather overall for the country. It's a lot to do with uh, a lot to do with labor. Pilot st staffing levels. Uh, Mr. President, are you considering a pause on the federal gas tax? Mr. President, we know that you're considering it, and Secretary Gellin spoke about it yesterday. Yes, but, I'm considering uh, How soon can we expect a decision? Well, I hope I have a decision based on data I'm looking for by, uh, by the end of the week. Would you like 18 cents a gallon uh, to save that? Oh, sure. That's the get that would be nice, President, the gas tax. President Biden said he's seriously considering a temporary halt in the federal gas tax. White House officials say the July 4th weekend is a target for announcing new measures to help push gas prices lower. Tens of millions of Americans expected to hit the road uh, for travel during that holiday weekend. The president said he could make a decision on the federal gas tax by the end of this week. We're going to talk to uh, White House economic advisor Cecilia Rouse. She, uh, uh, the chair of, of the council, actually um, worked for President Obama when President Obama said, we're not going to do any gimmicks with the gas tax. It's like, do you really think giving people a, a free half a tank of gas is going to make, that's, he was equating it to that, and he says, we're just not going to do it. I saw a lot of clips played over the weekend as we go back and forth about whether it makes sense to do it. So we'll ask her. The, uh, President Obama didn't think it was, uh, called it a gimmick. Uh, we'll see what, I'm sure she won't call it a gimmick. Meantime, according to AAA, uh, the national uh, uh, average price for a gallon of gasoline ticked back below $5 over the weekend to $4.97. Crude prices, kind of, as we mentioned earlier, they're not $130, back to $110. Still expensive. But, uh, and checking uh, crypto prices, Bitcoin, Hit a low of 17,600 over the weekend, according to uh, CoinMetrics. Uh, ProShares plans to launch the first short Bitcoin-linked ETF today. The company was the first uh, to launch a Bitcoin futures ETF just eight months ago. The ProShares short Bitcoin strategy ETF will trade on the NYSE uh, under the ticker ByteMe. No, I'm sorry, ByteE, ByteE. Biddy, B-I-T-I. Biddy. Huh? Biddy Cent. Yeah, Biddy Cent. There was no M there. Uh, in a release yesterday, uh, CEO Michaels, you know what? The markets, everything else, what do you, what do you want? Got to have some sense of humor these days. Uh, yesterday, CEO Michael uh, Sapier said, as recent times have shown, Bitcoin can, <laughs> <laughs> Bitcoin can drop in value. He said the new ETFs, uh, gives investors the opportunity to profit from Bitcoin drops or to hedge their uh, crypto holding. Captain Obvious. <laughs> yeah. As Joe was mentioning, that debate over a potential U.S. recession growing more intense this morning with comments from the White House over the weekend aiming to tamp down fears of an imminent economic downturn. Here's Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen speaking on ABC's This Week. I expect the economy to slow. Uh, it's been growing at a very rapid rate. It's natural now that we expect a transition to steady and stable growth. But I don't think a recession is at all, at all inevitable. 
Yellen's cautious rhetoric matching what President Biden told reporters yesterday, saying he recently spoke with former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers and following that conversation is confident a recession is avoidable pending key policy initiatives like lowering Medicare costs. I, 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 I promise. Recession's even more likely than ever. Not the majority of them aren't saying that. Come on, don't make things up, okay? No, I don't think it is. I was uh, talking to Larry Summers this morning. And... Uh, there's nothing inevitable about a recession. But what Summers is telling the president appears in stark contrast to what he's saying publicly. In comments to Barron, Summers said that he thinks the Fed did not help itself with its new projections and rhetoric. He said, we are still headed for a pretty hard landing. And in a speech in London yesterday, Summers said, I fear we are going to have both elements of secular stagnation and secular stagflation. He said the U.S. would need five years of unemployment above 5% to tackle inflation, numbers that are, in his words, remarkably discouraging relative to the Federal Reserve view. Goldman Sachs is boosting its odds of a U.S. recession at 30% over the next year versus a previous 15%. In a note to clients this morning, uh, the investment bank said it's increasingly concerned that the Fed will feel compelled to respond forcefully to high headline inflation and consumer inflation expectations if energy prices rise further, even if economic activity slows sharply. Meantime, in a new note over the weekend, Nomura said it believes a mild recession starting in the fourth quarter is now more likely than not, citing tightening financial conditions, significant negative sentiment shocks, and energy and food supply disruptions. Mondelez announced it plans to buy energy bar maker Cliff Bar for $2.9 billion. The company makes uh, Luna Bars as well as Cliff Bars and Cliff Kid uh, Bars. Mondelez will add the company to its portfolio of snack brands, including Oreo, uh, Ritz Crackers, and Cadbury Chocolates. You had them? Yeah, I've had Cliff Bars. I don't know. They taste like mud to me now. They're not mud, but... I've lived off of them at times. I'm not anymore. In, in Davos, I've brought some to Davos. That, I was going to say, it's usually when I'm traveling overseas. I, I had some peanut butter ones and a... Chocolate chip and ones. An, or, yeah. They've got weird texture. Mm -hmm. Don't they? A little. But, hey, protein. That's how you can get it. Next, on Squawk Pod, thousands stranded at airports this weekend. Did they did they book too many flights? Do they what if have, pilots do they have labor don't show issues? up? What if just one shows up? And we're headed to the White House, where Cecilia Rouse, chair of President Biden's Council of Economic Advisers, talks inflation, recession, and of course, gas prices. The bones of our economy are strong. We are best positioned to go into these challenges than uh, most other nations. We'll be right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box, uh, live from the New York Stock Exchange. Becky's doing some background uh, research. Um, you're on camera instead of me. Sorry, I was doing some research. She's, she's uh, very focused. It said, well, did you see that it said you? Um, yeah. <laughs> you were looking down. I didn't realize we were back. Oh, okay. It's <laughs> a comedy of errors. You want to do it? You want to do it again? I think people would welcome rather. Welcome back to Squawk Box. They'd rather we be welcomed back by, by you. Yeah. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. Good morning, everybody. My story is I was covering for you. It's going to be my you story. You didn't know either. <laughs> it was a tough weekend, as we've been uh, talking about for air travel. Thousands of flights, five of them over the weekend, 5,000 were canceled or delayed, probably more uh, canceled and delayed. 5,000 were canceled. That's according to FlightAware. On just Saturday alone, more than 6,300 flights were delayed and more than 850 were canceled. FlightAware said Delta was the worst hit. And Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg met with airline CEOs last Thursday to talk about improving operations. Make it better. Well, <laughs> I know. This, this sec- I, and, and then 5,000 flights were canceled after he talked to him. Uh, the secretary's flight from D.C. to New York, in fact, was among those canceled on Saturday. I, I don't understand what happened. They, did they labor? Did they book too many flights? Do they? What if have, pilots do they have don't labor show issues? up? What, what say, if just one shows issues? up? Right. They have labor issues where yeah. the pilots aren't showing up for some of these things because I, I know at least in one case there have been pilots working without a contract for more than a year. Yeah. Start getting into some of these issues. Pilots definitely have the upper hand at this moment. Yeah, I want everyone there. Yeah. All the maintenance well, they, guys. They, yes, they can't take off without no. full staffing all the way through. Flight attendants. Flight attendants, the maintenance workers, the whole thing. Um, and they're in a bad position because so many pilots, not only were they short-staffed, so many pilots have had to absolutely have to retire because of the mandatory retirement ages. Um, Join us now to try to make some sense of the market turmoil. Tom Farley, former president of the New York Stock Exchange, current chairman and CEO uh, of Far Peak. You, you have some, you got your tentacles all over the place. You got some crypto. I know you're, you know, probably uh, long some equities somewhere, whether it's uh, SPACs or, or otherwise. So it's been, it was a, a, a rough weekend for crypto to watch, was it not? I was here last Tuesday and I thought I couldn't feel any worse. Saturday was my low point. I got a message from my wife that her flight had been canceled at LAX after waiting for 12 hours. I filled up at the pump, 75 bucks, and then I made the mistake of checking crypto. And Bitcoin had gone during the course of the afternoon from 20,500 yeah. down roughly 20%. 75 bucks, you got a mini Cooper? 17,500. Yeah, exactly, only, only, only that's 75 that's a mini, bucks. Oh, half tank, you, you, were, you, were, you had a half tank left. Yeah. And it all felt part of a piece and, and, and it felt like crypto was at a tipping point. And then I spent Sunday talking to distressed crypto CEOs. Um, a lot of them, huh? A, a, four, I've spoken to four in the last week, two over the weekend. I think you're going to see some recapitalization transactions very, in the very short term. And this relief 
Bitcoin has jumped back up 20% is going to give the crypto market some time to, to recapitalize, which, which is great. But it, it felt like a tipping point on Saturday afternoon. And I, I, was, I was concerned. Recapitalization moves meaning what? They had to short up? Some of these, some of these over-levered companies uh, are either going to raise capital or sell themselves. Um, and and I, think that'll be a very, I think that'll be a very healthy thing for the, for the crypto market. I mean, there's people that have, I mean, I'm not even including Matt Damon, because you know that the future belongs to the brave. You saw all those. Uh, there's a lot of stadiums named for crypto, but I haven't seen much from Novogratz. But Michael Saylor said a few things. This was I, I read this earlier from the Wink, one of the Winklevi, Cameron. Okay, Bitcoin under 20 feels like an over rotation. The underlying fundamentals, adoption, and infrastructure have never been stronger. We feel, or we saw the irrational top. This feels irrational in the other direction. So has there been progress made in all those things that he cited there, infrastructure, uh, adoption, uh, regulation, or, or is it all sort of an illusion? If yeah, it can I, go back to 13,000 or below 10, you wonder what was it all about? It, it does look like a mania. Yeah, I, I, agree with that. I agree with everything. You do? In the quote. Yeah, but there's probabilities associated with it. So I'm not like an irrational hodler or, or, or you know, perma Bitcoin. Are you a stacker? Did you buy any? I, I, I'm not a stacker. You didn't I, hodled. I hodled over the weekend, but it was hard. You, you held? It, I held. Why it didn't you step up at 17.5 if, if felt, you think it's going back to 100,000? It, it felt, you know, I was with a very, very uh, uh, smart friend of mine uh, on Saturday afternoon, well-known um, uh, in the industry, and he actually made that exact comment at 17.6 and said, this is the buying opportunity. And I think there's a good chance we'll look back and we'll say, wow, that was the bottom. I don't know that it's the bottom. It was certainly a bottom. Maybe we'll retest those lows. But if we had kept going on Saturday afternoon, um, you could have seen real, real carnage in anybody who had leverage well, when in you crypto. Sit there, it, you know, when you're at 40 and you make a decision not to sell, and then it gets a 17.5 and you don't have the nerve to do it, that tells you that it might be. Because you know, when you should be doing it, it's just the human yeah. nature makes it too difficult to do it. And I don't know if many people were stacking at 17.5. Right. You've had some guests on this morning who have said, well, you know, the market has sold off. The S&P is down 40 percent, but it's been very orderly. VIX hasn't hit 50, no, what have you. 40, in yeah. crypto, yeah. it's been anything but orderly. And it was capitulation uh, uh, on Saturday. The uh, Bitcoin has been running at 100 volatility, 100 yeah. percent volatility for a week straight, whipping around. It's not for the faint of heart. And, and Netflix, Zoom, um, Boeing, take your pick. There's a lot of them that it has not been orderly. It's been just regurgitating. Yeah, yeah. right. I think when the tide goes right, out, you're going to see the people who were buying last week, into this week, Thursday some, felt pretty. Some really Thursday felt a, a little bit worse than, than most of the other days. Yeah, that, that we've had. I don't know if it's a real capitulation, but it felt worse. Rough time for crypto and a rough time for energy prices. President Biden is considering a gas tax holiday to ease pressures at the gas pump for U.S. consumers. For our next guest, we go right to the White House North Lawn, where you'll hear all the sounds of the day getting underway. Landscapers, deliveries, and the turning wheels of our economy. Let's get back to Joe. Joining us now, Cecilia Rouse, chairs uh, the President's Council of economic advisors, and it's it's great to have you on, uh, Chair Rouse. Good morning. Good morning. You were you've had a long history with different administrations. You remember President Obama didn't didn't was not a fan uh, of this move. I don't know if you remember that great quote. He said it's a gimmick, and I don't think people need to get a free uh, a free half gallon of gas is not going to solve what what we're trying to do. 
Did you agree with him back then? And have you changed your view or, or is it different this time around? Look, this is a different economic situation right now. We are coming out of a global pandemic, or at least we hope we're coming out of it. We have Russia's war on Ukraine. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. We have record inflation. And so this president, while very proud of the growth and in our economy last year and the strength of our labor market, also very much understands the cost of inflation for American families. Uh, we know that a lot of the inflation has been caused over the last several months by Putin's invasion of Ukraine because that has generated increases in our energy prices. And so President Biden is looking at all tools available to try to help it make it a little bit easier for people at the pump. It's why he has uh, done historic releases from our strategic petroleum reserve, has relaxed some regulations on biofuels, and he's looking at other uh, options on the table as well, including a gas tax holiday. Uh, I'm gonna, Tom's going to come in here, uh, Chair Rouse. And we had the, sort of the same idea. We're goosing demand and not increasing supply. That, that seems like that's not the way to, is that? That's exactly, that's exactly what I was going to ask is, is, on the one hand, we're, we're doing our best to increase demand. And on the other hand, if you step back with a, with, a, with a long lens, the Biden administration has enacted sweeping regulations to reduce supply. So we're increasing demand, we're reducing supply. What is that going to do to prices in the long so run? Actually, so oil production is actually up, and there's been more oil produced in the president's first year in office than in two years of Trump. So oil production is up. Oil companies have the incentive to increase production. He has signaled that he it wants to work with them to help them increase production. He's encouraging them to use uh, the, the 9,000 permits that they're not using. Uh, Se Secretary Granholm will be meeting with refiners tomorrow. Uh, so he is looking to increase production in, in any ways he can. It's why he welcomed the decision by OPEC Plus to increase uh, oil production. So yes, he needs to get oil um, on the market. He very much understands that, but he also understands that families are facing uh, uh, high prices at the pump, and he wants to give them a little bit more breathing room. Look, we all understand that oil is priced on a global market, uh, but he's looking to do what he can to make things a little bit easier for the American consumer. Uh, Chair Rouse, I, I must be living in the past. I'm going to go back to another uh, 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 Obama appointee. I'm talking about Larry Summers, and, and just I wonder if you could weigh in on whether you think the, the possibility or probability of a recession is, is increasing. And, and he admits maybe we don't, but he certainly is worried about a, a hard landing. Piece today in the Wall Street Journal that 44% that of economists are, are, are now thinking we could have a recession by the end of uh, 2023. Um, you're a, a, a trained economist. I think you went about as far as you can go in, 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 in the dismal science uh, at, at Harvard. Do you see signs that, that could indicate that, that a recession is, is imminent or likely to occur? Well, we all certainly hope that the Fed can uh, get inflation under control without uh, ceding too much on maximum employment. We all hope for the, uh, you know, longed for soft landing. What I can say is this, is we had one quarter of negative GDP growth that was largely caused by uh, exports uh, being um, uh, weaker than imports. Um, and some some other weak indicators. But if you looked at the core parts of um, the GDP last quarter, they were actually rather strong in terms of consumer spending. If you look at the labor market, it remained strong. We continue to get record 
uh, low unemployment claims. So when the National Bureau of Economic Research looks back and actually dates to recession, it looks at more than just GDP growth. It looks at consumer personal income. And we know the balance sheets remain healthy for, uh, for, for now. Again, this is all due to the fact that last year we had record growth uh, and uh, you know fast employment growth, historic drop in unemployment, so that the bones of our economy are strong. We are best positioned to go into these challenges than uh, most other nations. And so when we look at recession, we're obviously watching. That's obviously a concern. But the bones of our economy remain solid. So we have the headwind to face these challenges. The What are the, uh, I guess, ways you describe a what causes inflation is too few dollars or too many dollars uh, chasing too few goods. So we know because of the pandemic that both fiscal and monetary authorities really uh, opened uh, the spigots. In terms of, of credibility, there's a lot of people pointing fingers either at uh, Jay Powell and the Fed for using the T word, the transitory word, uh, and, and then later saying, look, we were dead wrong. Treasury Secretary Yellen actually came out and said, I was absolutely wrong about whether this was going to be transitory. Do you think that has to do with, with overstimulating, or do you attribute it just to reopening after the pandemic uh, and supply chain issues? I think fundamentally the inflation we're going through right now is related to the pandemic and the fact that we shut down our economy, uh, which... Uh, and we did that. We did that. And globally, that happened as well to, to varying degrees. And that is not easy to turn back on a world economy. The Federal Reserve, the, the federal government did what they needed to do to help people get through that pandemic. And it's hard with looking at hindsight. One could, you know, that's the Monday morning quarterbacking. But at the time, we knew we needed to support our economy. Uh, we, the Fed wanted to support our financial markets. And which is why we had record growth. We got through this rather, you know, safely in terms of economic terms. You know, how we roll back, how, how and when one rolls back, it's very hard to judge. If you look at economic forecasting over the course of the pandemic, it's been really wild. We did We released a blog last year that showed that forecasting errors have been much higher than, than before the pandemic. It's just been very hard to really judge and fine tune economic policymaking. The president was focused on the wealth, well-being of households and the U.S. economy, and I think it was, it was in a kind of insurance policy. There was no time during when, when we heard that word used again and again and again. And again. Did, you, did you ever in your heart of hearts think this might be longer lasting? As I said, you know, someone that, in economics that gets into it so deeply, did you ever think, I wish we wouldn't be saying that, this might be worse than, than we thought? Or were you on, you were on board with the whole transitory uh, nature of, of the inflation that they were talking about? In my mind, the question of transitory was, and is, that it was related to the pandemic, as opposed to a kind of inflation in which we have anchored expectations and we have a really entrenched inflation. I still believe that as supply chains unsnarl, uh, as we get back to our regular economic uh, activity, that we will see inflation come down. In fact, if you look at core, it has moderated. It, pre pre President Putin's invasion of Ukraine is the latest game changer here. That is really generating the increases in energy markets. And we know that energy seeps into many other goods within the core. So we have multiple challenges, which are cha causing challenges in terms of inflation right now. Pardon. Chair Rouse, you mentioned the labor market is, is strong. However, inflation has wiped out, obliterated really, all of the wage gains since the, the start of the pandemic. So Americans are actually feeling, feeling poor as, as the price of goods goes up and their wages go down. 
it feels like now's the time to just really focus on fighting inflation, yet as recently as last week, the Build Back Better bill was still on the table. Uh, is now the time for the administration to be pushing spending billions more or focusing on inflation? So the president is focused on inflation. And in fact, Build Back Better is a long is is a uh, a long-run investment so to increase the economic capacity so that we're better able to address inflation. Parts of Build Back Better include addressing costs such as prescription drugs. It, inc it includes making investments to make the transition to clean energy, which we know we need to be making as well. So that's not the kind of dollars that is stimulus, it's investment and it's the kinds of investments that we know actually pay for themselves over time. So that's smart economic policy right now. Uh, the president is doing, trying to take the kinds of actions that would address gas prices in the more immediate term, while also making the kinds of investments we, need, we know we need to, know, to make in order to make the transition to steady, sustainable growth that will benefit all Americans. Is, is it possible, as Americans are feeling that pain, that, that that message is a little tone deaf? and could have a really kind of negative impact in terms of consumer sentiment. So I'm not sure which part is the tone deaf. We, the president is looking to Focusing lower costs on spending money. for important, but it's, he's focused on reducing costs for some of the most important items for Americans, reducing prescription costs, reducing costs for childcare, helping people get back to work because they are able to balance responsibilities at home and at work. So these are the kinds of investments we need to make. They spend out over time. We know that this president is focused on reducing the deficit. Uh, this deficit is on track to be reduced by $1.7 trillion this year. That's more than happened under uh, President, uh, president Trump. And so he understands the role the deficit plays also in, in, in reducing inflation. But we also have to make the kinds of investments to make sure that our economy continues to thrive as we get to the other side of this. Chair Rouse. Uh, thank you, Charles. Thank you uh, for your time this morning. Uh, we appreciate it. Hope to see you again soon. Cheese will be next. More Squawk Pod right after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. You're listening to Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and today's special guest, Tom Farley. BlockFi's CEO tweeted that the company assigned a term sheet securing a $250 million revolving credit facility from FTX. He said it provides BlockFi uh, with access to capital to bolster its balance sheet uh, and platform strength. He said the agreement unlocks a future collaboration with FTX. Not a lot of 
uh, time left. Uh, Tom, is this the kind of stuff with a crypto story that happens when you got another 50% down to go, or they're already scrambling? I mean, is that closer to a... I think Saturday was the capitulation. In you do? The, I do. All weekend, CEOs were having conversations about recapitalizing the over-levered businesses, and I think this the price going up by 20% is a bit of a respite to to get it all figured out. They're never going to over-lever again, right? What, what were they thinking? I think some serious risk management lessons were learned. Look, risk management is difficult, and it's learned by experience. But a lot of leverage. Like, you don't have to be real smart to know that that's a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, when Bitcoin was at 69000 you know, I don't think people were imagining it would, it would rip to 17000 in a couple months. Being, you know, around stocks and markets for so long, uh, we're all waiting for that flush, wait, waiting for the capitulation. Could it make a bottom without that? It feels horrible. It felt horrible last Thursday. Look, it, Is that it, enough? It hasn't been unruly trading. It hasn't been 50 to 70 VIX, but it's been painful. And the S&P's down DocuSign. 25%. DocuSign, 314 to 60. And, huh. that's, there's, I can, and that's one of I can mention 100 hundreds. of them. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful we'll make a bottom at some point here in the next several weeks. But uh, and any bottom been, we make is going to look like a like a counter trend rally heading into a final low in October. Uh, at least we're going to hear a lot of people probably say that. Yeah. Tom, uh, thank you. It was great to be here with you guys. It's good to have you in. Some of us will be here tomorrow. Make sure you join us. That is Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening on this, the longest day of 2022. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you right back here tomorrow. And we are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.